Welcome back to Line to Game podcast. This is episode 16 of season three. We're covering the uh, week 15 of the 2023 NFL season. Uh, I'm your host, Jeremy Dixon, here as always with Mike Parker. Mike, how you doing, man? Man, we're here already. We got, what, three weeks left of the regular season. Uh, um, got I, New Year's I, around the... Not that I'm counting, but after today, we have 67 more games to analyze. And that's well, it. Well, I'm excited. Like, after the season ends, instead of doing 16 games, which we'll have to do for the next three weeks after this, um, we then just have to deal with what happens um, in the playoffs, like, every, you know, every week. So it really kind of condenses – we won't be as blowhardy or talk as much. So I'm sure people can be in and out of this thing in 15, 20 minutes to get there. But no alas, we are, we are not there yet. So buckle All up right. for a two hour conversation here. Let's go. All right. Let's just start unpacking this. I know I, you, did you have any gambling stuff this week? Nope. All right. Me nope. either. All right. Let's head. Although to every our... time I do see a game that I think I'm just like, Oh, that's a must. That's a can't lose. Uh, they every time you lose because, yeah uh, i would lose okay yeah so the smart we are all right so game notes let's get started with um thursday night football it is the la chargers at the las vegas raiders so uh, i don't know if i told you this or ever i said it on the air or just in our communication kind of as you know as we chat um over the week but this particular i had to angie was out of town uh, from last Monday to Thursday. And I had to go pick her up, left here at three o'clock, you know, with the mindset that we get back in time to kind of sit down and watch this game. Um, but the catch is, as I'm driving back, I get a phone call from my daughter that says, you know, grandma and grandpa are here. And I'm like, why? Pre- previously that week, I was asked to send out like this cryptic message to my father-in-law to see if they can if it's possible for them to after work on a random Thursday in February, get up to our place. It's about an hour. It's about 45 minutes um, on a good day um, so that we could plan some sort of event that's coming down the pike and we want to give it to them for Christmas. But before we bought the tickets, we wanted to make sure they can make it, I guess is what I'm getting at. Somehow the wires got crossed and they showed up at our doorstep on Thursday. So I'm like, shit, I'm panicking, not, not really panicking, but just like, why are they here? What did I say wrong? All this kind of other stuff. So we get home, we have a big laugh about it. We go to eat and then shit, I remember there's a game on tonight and I look down at my phone about halfway through dinner, 42 to nothing at halftime. The Raiders are destroying the chargers, man. There were five turnovers uh, by the Chargers in this game. And there were 35 points scored off of those turnovers, uh, including a sack fumble scoop and score, a pick six on back-to-back Chargers possessions. This game was bonkers. It was crazy. Yeah, I, I was just I, – I noted that, uh, you know, Raiders go from being shut out by the Vikings last week to scoring the most points in franchise history in this route of the Chargers uh, – Brandon and I think I don't think that can be under I don't I don't think that can be undervalued that little thing to go from scoring zero to 63 and it's not like Minnesota is a a, you know big time defense or anything so it's like yeah how 
how did this happen? Um, but yeah, you know, uh, Brandon, I think we exchanged a text at some point. I was like, Brandon Staley's got to be done now. Like, this has to be it. And uh, you said I was thinking this. Well, there was the rumors the next day, right? But there were only rumors at the time. So you sent me a text like, hey, it's coming down the pike. I'm like, yeah, I've seen these, but it's not quite official yet. And then right after we had that like text conversation, boom, there it is. The official word, uh, Brandon Staley and his um, cover two defense, um, not cover two. What did he use? Um, too high defense gone. San Diego, uh, they're in the market. I thought they'd at least keep him till um, Black Black Monday, the Monday after the end of the season. But um, I guess this was too embarrassing at the end of the day. And well, they were show they were fun. showing uh, the owners in the in their in their uh, luxury boxes, and you know Mark Davis is having a great time and laughing and and carrying on and uh, and. Uh, what's his name dean spanos is just looking like somebody like his dog just died like ready to vomit almost uh, it was crazy man so yeah yeah um aiden o'connell looked looked sharp i know you were on him early um he has four first half touchdowns uh throws for 248 yards in the game with no turnovers uh, the, the receiver Jacoby Myers had a Jacoby, touchdown pass in yeah, this game. Yeah, I was going to say Jacoby Myers caught one and threw one. Yeah, I think he was actually two for two on his uh, passes in the game. But yeah, what? catches a touchdown and throws for one. Devontae Adams goes over 100 yards and a receiving touchdown. Somebody named Trey Turner catches two touchdowns. I don't even know who the Tucker. Hell that is. Oh, Tucker. Sorry, Trey Tucker. Yeah, exactly. I think he's a rookie, isn't he? No idea. Like first, I literally first, have no idea. I have no idea who this guy is. Uh, but yeah, it was crazy. And then the defense also scores two touchdowns. So, and one of those, I, f- I forget who it was now that had this just crazy, uh, crazy one-handed kind of jump. Oh, the, uh, the defensive back. Yeah, that was. Jumped the um, route and just, that was crazy, man. So, yeah, the Raiders just it. put it all together. That was a pretty pretty dynamic performance by those Jack guys jones jack jones jack he jones. like caught it like behind him and then kind of as he caught it like spun did a 360 and ended up in the end zone it was it was a, it was a fantastic play it I was say. a really yeah really good play really good play uh easton stick man <laughs> tough poor guy tough he had three touchdowns he rallied in the second half of it to make yeah. it not close but at least respectable right uh, two fumbles lost, an interception. Uh, it was a pick six. So my spotlight was Brandon was fired. Okay, cool. My game ball, I'm, I'm going against my general rule, and I'm giving it to any L.A. Charger player that hit the um, the Las Vegas defense with the first down taunt. Down 49 points. Just like, I first see, down. I saw a couple of those go down. And I was just like, what? <laughs> what are you guys doing, man? <laughs> the balls on these guys, right? You realize what's happening right now, don't you? All right. I think we beat this game to death, just like yeah. uh, the Raiders beat uh, Brandon Staley to death. All right. So we had three games this week on Saturday. The first one was Minnesota at Cincinnati. Man, this game was fun to watch. Both teams were starting backup quarterbacks, so it didn't look good to begin with. Uh, but uh, Nick Mullins from Minnesota and Jack Browning uh, for Cincinnati made a game Jake, of it. Jake Browning. Jesus Christ, man. What did I say? Jack. 
Jack. Call them yeah, Jack. Jake, Jake and Bake. Yeah, I got it. I got it. Yeah, my bad. Jesus. All right. Sorry. There, there will be no husky slander in this episode. <laughs> All right. My spotlight is Cincinnati's playoff hopes. Uh, Cincinnati is now eight and six, and they currently hold the sixth spot of the AFC playoff bracket. Um, they're at Pittsburgh, at Kansas City, home uh, versus Cleveland to end the season. All of these are winnable games. Um, we haven't seen a huge mass regression with Cincinnati's offense um since joe burrow went down um i wouldn't expect them to have won you know these games uh without joe burrow but they're holding together i think they have a good roster uh overall and with jake browning um kind of or jack browning however you want to say it um without him regressing too much man this defense is stepping up i think this is a good team so I just wanted to highlight the fourth quarter real quick. So Bengals are down 17 to three going into the fourth quarter. Jake Browning and the Bengals offense just go unconscious at this point. Uh, first drive of the fourth quarter, Jake Browning hits T Higgins for a 13 yard touchdown. Bengals defense forces a punt on the ensuing drive. Joe Mixon gets a touchdown on the next drive uh, from one yard out. So they drove down the field pretty good, quick with 348 to go in a tie game. Nick Mullins hits Jordan Addison for a touchdown. So what now it's 24 to 17. Uh, Jake Browning gets the ball back, drives Cincinnati down the field before hitting T Higgins for another 21 yard touchdown with 39 seconds to go in the game. Uh, and then Cincinnati gets the ball first in overtime goes three and out Minnesota gets the ball back near midfield. And they tried to do the tush push essentially and just got stuffed uh on fourth down Cincinnati gets the ball back drives down the field kicks a win- game winning field goal um and then Jake Browning had some some uh choice words for the Minnesota Vikings which were were pretty fun to watch or listen to so let's summarize this real quick to your point so Jake was 7 for 8 72 yards and that touchdown to T Higgins to get them tied at 24 and then the final drive in OT that second time they possessed the ball in OT he went 1 for 2 with a huge 44 yard pass to Tyler Boyd that put them in field goal range Jake and Bake gets my game ball 70% on 42 passes that's a lot 324 yards two touchdowns only one pick uh, we talked uh, two games ago about Cincinnati not taking a lot of shots downfield uh, with Jake. Week, week 13, they had one pass that traveled over 20, uh, 20 yards, and that was a touchdown to Jamar Chase. Uh, week 14, he was one for two on passes over 20, 20 yards. This week, three for six. So they're starting to push it down the field a little bit. That was that touchdown to T. Higgins, uh, that pass uh, to Tyler Boyd. This is the kind of stuff that I want to see. They're slowly letting the 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 reins out a little bit. Let let's what can you do? All right, when you have a moment, and that's what we saw in this game with uh, with Jake Browning. He had that moment that he needed to step up and make some throws. I thought he was sharp. I thought he was decisive. Looked really good. Yeah, no, he was he was fun to watch, man. Um, and he also completed balls to eleven different receivers. Just sprayed the field. Yep. You know, Nick Mullins did not play poorly either, though. He completes 79% of his passes for 303 yards and two touchdowns, but also has the two interceptions. He's kind of a lost soul in this game in a lot of ways, to your point. 
Yeah, and uh, Chandler for uh, Minnesota rushes for 132 yards and a touchdown. So he had a hell of a game. And then Jordan. That's Addison, an that's an interesting wrinkle for that team. They haven't been able to run all year. Exactly, exactly. And then uh, and then Jordan Addison caught six uh, six balls for 111 and two touchdowns. So Min- well, one of them should he, like he. What was that Jordan Jordan Addison touchdown where it like bounced off somebody, picked it up off the field almost, and 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 ran it. It was such a like a random play, Um, but sometimes you know you're put in a position to have to make a play like that. DK did one on Monday Night Football, and sometimes it's the winning the game is different of of catching that or letting it hit the ground. So uh, good job by him trying to do everything he could uh, to get a win. um, This this last Saturday. Yeah. All right. Game two, Pittsburgh at Indiana. Uh, this game felt like a bit of an abnormality to me. Um, I'm going to talk more about why Pittsburgh lost here than why Indy won. Uh, Pittsburgh defense was getting, uh, was getting some pressure four sacks, nine quarterback hits, but were pretty sloppy. A couple of key penalties keep uh, kept uh, Indy, Indianapolis, the Colts drive alive. Um, they had a pretty brutal targeting penalty that got Casey ejected from the game eventually the rest of the season. And this horse collar penalty at the, uh, at the end zone um, in all pit was charged with eight penalties, 101 yards and the pit offense didn't help either with only 216 total yards and three TDs. Yeah. Um, you know, after uh, Pittsburgh gets out to that 13 0 lead, I mean, it looked like, I was like, damn, maybe, maybe Mitch Trubisky's figured it out. He ran one in, hit Deontay Johnson uh, for a touchdown, but the, the kicker missed the extra point. Then the wheels just completely fall off for Pittsburgh's offense and their defense, giving up 30 unanswered points. Like It was just – it was like somebody flipped the switch. Uh, Trubisky throws for 169 and a touchdown uh, – passing and rushing on and two interceptions, but then eventually he's replaced by Mason Rudolph. Um, and whenever, I feel like if you ever um, are an NFL quarterback and the, the crowd is chanting for uh, Mason Rudolph to replace you, the fans are uh, clamoring for that. You're in a bad spot, man. You're in a bad spot. Yeah. Well, I wanted to re uh, change what I said. I said uh, three touchdowns. It was three turnovers. Yeah. So to be clear that Pittsburgh offense, um, I don't like correct on my one note. All right. Uh, my spotlights, uh, DJ Montgomery. He had this horrible drop on fourth down. That would have been a TD, a touchdown with a little over three minutes left in the first half. Um, but he was able to come back and redeem himself and had a touchdown catch the next possession. Sometimes when you see these guys make this drop, make a mistake that, um, the quarterback starts to go away from them. They don't have the confidence to step up there. They don't want to be put in that situation again. They kind of shrivel a little bit. And I was really happy to see him step up and make that catch um, for a touchdown uh, the next drive. Yeah. No, My that... game ball. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, that was good. That was good. Go ahead. Game ball, Gardner Minshew. Um, on every drive, there's a throw or two where it looks like Gardner's trying to throw an interception. Um, his stats don't jump out at you. 64%, 28 passes, 215 yards, but he did have three great throws for touchdowns. And I would even count the one where David Montgomery lost because he kind of moved to his right and just fired it in between some defenders. And it was a really, really good throw. 
So there's, I mean, he just pulls it out sometimes. He looks awkward when he's running around and scrambling, but there's, he, he's good enough to make some, some of these throws and I'll be damned. Indiana's winning. Uh, they're now eight and six. And at the top, I think they're um, the sixth seed in the standings. So let's take a look I did, here. Uh, I saw Tom Brady came out and uh, criticized today's quarterbacks for Seventh not seed. protecting their uh, wide receivers after Michael Pittman nearly got decapitated. Um, you know what? I don't want to hear from Tom Brady anymore on this shit. That guy was started his career at the time when we started protecting quarterbacks and he benefited in large part for all of these things, tuck rules and no shots at the knee. They started a rule because he was out for an entire season after getting uh, hit low. So I don't want to hear from Tom Brady about people being soft and not hitting anymore and all that kind of other stuff because he, in large part was the the creation of many of the rules that we have now protecting players. So Tom, I really like you as a player, man. You were fun to watch. You were fun to root against, but come on, have some self awareness on this. Anyway, that was definitely one of the most gruesome hits I've seen. Um, it was. And, and what, uh, who, what was the name of the guy that, that hit him? That he's uh, suspended Casey. for the rest of the year. Yeah. They, didn't they suspend him for the rest of the season? They did, yeah. Yeah. That's, they're not playing around anymore, man. So, all I right. Let's, uh, let's move on to my personal favorite game of the week. Denver at Detroit, game three on Saturday. Yeah. All right. My brother texted me uh, before I even turned on this game. And his comment was, every time Russ turns over the ball in the red zone, a Seahawk gets their wings. And I was just like cracking up. So I had to go and see it. So Russ fumbles on the Detroit 20 on their first possession of the game. Uh, the beginning of the game for Detroit offense looked uh, like it looked a lot like the previous games that we had watched. Their first three possessions, they had less than 50 yards and ended on three consecutive punts. But then they rattled off five consecutive touchdown drives. So at some point, something clicked, and, man, they were firing on all cylinders uh, after those th- first three possessions. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Detroit, I was going to say, not much happened in the first quarter. Detroit uh, just goes off with, and ends up with a 21-0 halftime lead and don't really look back. Um, you know, Goff throws for five TDs, three of which went to Sam Laporta. Sam Laporta, man is turning into one hell of a one hell of a uh, tight end in his rookie year already. Um, and yeah, your boy, Goff, I, I guess it's Jared Goff this week and not Jared. It's Jared, it's Jared Goff today. He left Goof at home. Yeah. 71% passing on 34 attempts. Really good day for him. 278 uh, passing yards, five touchdowns and no turnovers. So he really rebounded from a couple of Goof games. Um, to your point, my game ball, I split it up to three. They kind of had like that, like what, the three amigos or whatever, kind of like what uh, San Francisco has Jamar Gibbs, hundred plus all purpose yards, a TD, Amon Ross St. Brown, 112 receiving in a TD and your boy, Sam Laporta, 56 yards in three TDs. Yeah, that's, that's great. Um, I did have, uh, you know, the Detroit running game with, uh, they had a good one, two punch, you know, Gibbs and Montgomery. I know Gibbs went over a hundred and, and Montgomery was, uh, somewhere around 80s. I think that they had 185 combined yards and then Gibbs had that touchdown. So uh, 
yeah, I mean, it's great. Um, Russell Wilson barely completes 50% of his passes for 232 yards, has a rushing touchdown and a passing touchdown, also loses a fumble. And uh, that you had mentioned, and Sean Payton comes unglued on him on the sideline, which was uh, always fun to see. I wonder if there's some next-gen stat to capture, like, getting yelled at by somebody on the sideline, whether it's a coach, your quarterback coach, your, you know, your wide receiver. Like, if you look at the the numbers for, like, Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs, he gets yelled at, you know, 0.73 times a game or whatever on average. And I wonder – we need to – somebody needs to look into that. Right. Russ would be at the top of that list for sure. Him I'm and sure. De- uh, Derek Carr. All right. Um, now back to our Sunday games. We uh, first one on the docket. We have Chicago at Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland named Joe Flacco the starting QB for the rest of the season before this game, and he thanked them by throwing three interceptions. Um, man, the Joe Flacco roller coaster is amazingly fun. Um, also, Joe Flacco uh, led Cleveland uh, led the offense to back to back scoring drives, ten un- ten unanswered points to win the game. So welcome, welcome to the ride, Joe Flacco. I can't wait to see what happens with him in the weeks to come. Um, I, su- I suspect they make it to the playoffs, so it would be interesting to see uh, how they do in there. But this team is super injured. They're down to third string on their offensive line. Um, their running backs, they go through those guys uh, like, the, like the Ravens do. Um, Man, their defenses, their defensive front is really hurt. They're, they just signed their safety to a big deal, and he got uh, had a season in uh, season ending injury right after that. So, um, man, Cleveland looked good this week, but we'll see how they hold together moving forward. Yeah, they're you know the Cleveland. Uh, I, so my first note was I don't know how the old man keeps doing it. Um, but yeah, yeah, after being down 17, seven going in the fourth quarter, Brown scored 13 unanswered points, um, including a 51 yard touchdown reception by Amari Cooper Fields is not, this guy, man, has just regressed so much. Uh, yeah, I have him on my spotlight. It's at what I called a pendulum swing game. I mean, last week versus Detroit, he goes for 223, a touchdown, 58 rushing and another touchdown, no turnovers. This week, he's 48% on 40 attempts, 166 yards, two TDs, and two or one TD and two interceptions. He added 30 yards rushing, but, you know, doesn't really matter, I guess. But he, he's just – his variance is so – he has a high beta. Let's put it that way. His yeah. variability is pretty, pretty off the charts. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, and that yeah, – like you said, you had mentioned the, the Bears running game couldn't do – a whole lot. Um, they only uh, the Bears could only produce 236 total yards of offense anyway. But that I mean that Cleveland defense is something else, man. So they're good. And if, they, if man, if they can stay keep these guys on the field, man, I, they would be really difficult to. They'd be a difficult out for sure. All right, my game ball. I'm going to give it to David and Joku. Um, rough year. Burns himself. Um, has to deal with several different like quarterbacks. The, the harvest is plentiful in the Joe Flacco era for him. Uh, back-to-back games of 90-plus receiving, a total of three touchdowns in those two games. Uh, he's more than doubled his t- t- uh, touchdown output, output for the rest of the season. So he's had a really couple of good games. Flacco and him seem to be on the same page. 
Um, so that's pretty exciting. Absolutely. All right. Tampa Bay at Green Bay. This is the battle of old NFC Central foes. Uh, this game was called the Bay of Pigs back in the day. Um, man, Green Bay had me fooled. How about you? Yeah, I just put uh, first note, Green Bay really does not want to go to the playoffs. <laughs> I mean, we were talking about that games, bro. Like this. Yeah, they lost back to back games to the. I mean, I, I, Tampa Bay's, I think, leading the, the South or whatever, but that's a terrible division. And losing to, what, the Giants last week? Yeah. Just come yeah, on. See, yeah, back-to-back to back at this time of the year is really tough. Yeah. Well, we were talking about home, them potentially winning the home. NFC North, right? Yeah. And the way they're playing. So they were playing so well in that three-game winning streak. We're like, could they take the North? And since then, lost two straight two very winnable games against Tommy DeVito and Banker Mayfield. So that's startling. Their defense has been I'm, playing really bad. Yeah. Yeah. I'm guessing that Baker Mayfield's getting your game ball. Cause the guy threw for 381 yards, four touchdowns did lose a fumble, but. Yeah, exactly. And I think the thing that's more startling to me than any of those numbers is, is 97 or 79% completion percentage on 28 attempts. Yeah. He's usually a, mid 50s to low 60s guy um so he was out of his mind he is the best quarterback in the nfc south um and because of that i think they're going to win the division ultimately yeah um rashawn rasheen white whatever his name is he rushes for 89 rashad rashad white rushes for 89 yards has two receptions for another 50 and a touchdown godwin catches 10 balls for 155 yards and uh, Mike Evans gets back in the end zone this week after having, I think, only one catch for eight yards last week. So, Well, White gets my spotlight for the reasons you mentioned. He has really been coming on over the uh, Tampa's last three games, their winning streak. He's been averaging over 100 all-purpose yards and a touchdown per game during that streak. So if, if he can keep this up, they might be able to steal one in, in, that, in that first round. Yeah, I yeah, I could see it, man. They're getting a, they're getting a home game, that's for sure. So, or whoever wins that division, anyway. I think it's them, but yeah. Yeah, I do. All too. right, let's talk about Houston at Tennessee. This was a huge win for Houston. Uh, they were playing the former uh, Houston Oilers in Tennessee. Tennessee was wearing the old throwback Oiler uniforms, just trolling the hell out of them. Um, Houston was eight and six in a three-way tie with Jacksonville, Indianapolis uh, for the AFC division. Um, this game, they mathematically eliminated ten- Tennessee from the playoffs, and they they did all of this with their ba- backup quarterback, which I think is important to note. We talked about how important your backup quarterback is nowadays. To have a guy, preferably a veteran, with some real game experience like Case Keenum, uh, to back up that starter, it's so invaluable. Uh, to be able to squeak out wins versus division opponents and you know, buy you some time to get your starter healthy. I suspect CJ will be back playing next week versus Cleveland at home, but I guess I saw some news today, Wednesday, December 20th, that he might not be ready um, uh, for this game. So, 
Uh, Case Keenum might have to go again. But if when you look back on the success of this season for the Houston Texans, you go, first of all, your first thing is, what the fuck, C.J. Stroud? Second, you say, man, our defense is really good. And then third, remember those two games where Case Keenum got us past uh, Tennessee and Cleveland? And then C.J. took us over the finish line and got us into the playoffs. So if if that's the trajectory, I think you're going to look at um, these two games and Case Keenum's performance as a bullet point in that season's story. Yeah, yeah. Um, like my no, the game seemed like two teams going in opposite directions with the Titans coming off of their biggest win of the season against Miami on Monday night and Houston coming into this game without C.J. Stroud or Nico Collins and Tank Dell just getting hurt on top of that. Um, seemed like this that that's, that Houston was ripe to get to get knocked off here. Um, Tennessee goes up thirteen to three. They had a, a pick six and a uh, and a Will Levis touchdown run to to put them up. And they, there there was that Nick Folk missed field goal or uh, missed extra point though that would really prove costly later in the game. I mean, I guess um, it 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 gets it costly to, because well, it they gets costly because you have to change. Yeah, that's it. That's that's exactly what happens, right? If you it you have to ch- it changes the mathematics, right? So Houston goes. didn't have to score a two point conversion to tie the game at the end. They're able to just tie the game at sixteen and go to overtime. And I mean, yeah, th- this right. is a huge win, man. This is a huge, huge win for the t- uh, for the Houston Texans. So to to kind of underline my point about the backup quarterback. I think there's really a few things that you're going to need in order for that quarterback to be successful. And I think the Houston uh, team delivered that. That's a running game. Houston rushed for 148 yards. Uh, Devil Devin Singletary had 121 of it. I mean, they dusted him off. I don't know where he's been. They have big receiving targets. Noah Brown went for 82 and a touchdown. Dalton Schultz had 58 huge catches at key moments to keep the, the, the chains moving that defense uh, played out of their mind, seven sacks, 11 QB hits uh, held Tennessee to 204 total yards and they got a turnover. So I think with those three components combined with some steady quarterback play for case Keenum, that and my game ball recipient, of course, Kaimi Fairbairn four for four field goals, one for one, for one extra point, 54 yard field goal to win the game in overtime. New York Jets at Miami. Um, We got to see the ins and outs of this game uh, with uh, hard knocks, but let's just face it. Shutouts in the NFL are hard to do. Uh, This game wasn't as exciting and explosive as we normally see from Miami without Tyreek Hill. Um, Although they did get that explosive play from two of the Jalen Waddle for 60 yards and a touchdown. Um, so, I mean, it's, it was an okay game, but it wasn't like, oh, wow, this is an amazing team. There's so much fun to watch, but God, 30 to zero in any scenario, there's not a coach in the world that wouldn't take that. Yeah. Um, ugly, ugly game for the jets, um, eliminated from the playoffs for the 13th consecutive season. Uh, Zach Wilson leaves with a concussion mercifully uh, after having one of the most egregious fumbles I've ever seen in my life. Like just running back. I don't even blame that on him. I mean, yeah, I don't I mean, even blame that on it. He got his head taken off. Yeah. I, I mean, wouldn't mean. 
terrible, terrible. Uh, Trevor Simeon replaces him, just not look good. Uh, throwing for 110 yards and two two interceptions and losing a fumble. Um, All right, so for, let's... Oh, hold on. Accounting for sacks, though, the Jets only had 103 yards of total offense, Mike. That is just... Yeah, so they got my game ball for that reason, right? So the six sacks, 14 quarterback hits. They caused four turnovers and just allowed that Miami dog... Uh, uh, offense to dominate the, the the time of possession. They had it for 13 minutes more than than the Jets' offense. Yeah. So you know, all the talk coming into this game, and I think me and you even had the conversation that morning was, uh, what's what is uh, Miami's offense going to look like with uh, no Tyreek Hill, who came out to try to warm up and and was they just figured it was not worth risking him uh, re-aggravating that groin in, or uh, ankle injury to uh, to play him in this game against the Jets. So they, they sat him. Everybody's concerned. I actually took Tua out of my fantasy football lineup and replaced him with Matt Stafford, who he did all right too, but uh, I would have definitely scored more points with Tua. Um, but the offense looked great, man. Like looked really good. Like uh, Raheem Mostert sets the Dolphins uh, single season touchdown record from a running back um both rushing and just total touchdowns which is pretty sweet and then Jalen Waddle gets uh gets busy with 142 yards receiving and a touchdown how do you score more points with Tua 224 and a touchdown versus uh 258 and two touchdowns for Stafford maybe I'm wrong about that I don't know okay I don't know. There's some funky fantasy math, I guess. I don't right, know. Sometimes. I don't know. I'm All right. My, my spotlight, I don't know if you mentioned his name other than kind of my first intro to this. Uh, Jalen Waddell uh, really stepped up in Tyreek's absence. 142 yards, a touchdown. That 60-foot uh, bomb uh, that he caught in stride. Um, I watched that kind of like the Hard Knocks episode, and Tua had seen it and had the ball out of his hand before the second move. So uh, Waddle kind of like straight line, fakes like he's going in, kind of has the defensive back kind of turning around and then hit, hits the sideline again and then jets and then uses that uh, outside leverage to kind of move the defender in and, and, and just run underneath the ball. It was a perfectly thrown ball by Tua, uh, really impressive um, they called their shot on that particular uh, issue. Yeah, he was. Mike he was McDaniel, just. Mike McDaniel said three times one one play drive from uh, yeah from, from Waddle right here. One. Play the other drive. part about him, he was just so valuable uh, in in being a possession receiver as well. Like over the middle, intermediate slant routes. Um, it was just I saw a couple of times where he just kind of would pop out and just be in the middle of the field, strike a few yards yak and just kept kept the chains moving so um and let's let's call it, let's uh say Raheem Mostert now has uh 20 touchdowns that's the most by any single dolphin in the history of their franchise um it was at Mark Clayton he passed who had 18 touchdowns uh prior uh so good job by him as well um he threw his game ball into the crowd right on all right. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs at New England Patriots. 
Another relatively messy game from the Kansas City pass catchers. However, this week Mahomes got some help from some play calling, great defensive play, and he had three guys on offense really step up. And I'll just go right into the three guys that I thought this is my spotlight. Clyde Ed- Edwards Hilaire um, got the start with the Pacheco out. He delivered over 100 yards, all purpose yards, and a touchdown. Jarek McKinnon added a touchdown pass and one of those uh, great play calling things that I mentioned earlier. And the guy you've been really rooting for this year is uh, Rasheed Rice at 91 yards and a touchdown. Yep, I I had a little spotlight on him as well. So I, you know, I just said the the, the New Eng- New England came out. They kept it close in the first half. They did um, give up thirteen unanswered in the third quarter, though, and then the game was over. Um, they got a garbage time touchdown from somebody I've never heard of. <laughs> Patriots are probably happy they lost, though. Get a better draft pick. Hopefully, get get a quarterback. I don't know. It's still got to grind, um, Belichick to a nub every time they lose a little piece of him dies yeah. all right my uh-huh. my game ball obviously is Patrick Mahomes 305 two touchdowns made a lot of plays outside the pocket he plays alive man he is just really competing out there he had two interceptions uh one was to Blake Bell um this it was almost a 50 50 ball in a lot of ways it could have gone all the way if he would have fought for it a little bit uh, but the defender kind of took it right out of his hands. And then the second one, the most egregious one, the one that causes him to like throw his helmet on the ground um, is uh, Canarius Tony off his hands again, like that. I mean, almost the exact same route, almost the exact same drop and almost and the exact same result, which is an interception. Uh, it, they, he did that in game one against Detroit and they lost they lost that game as well. Uh, Travis Travis Kelsey only catches five balls for 28 yards, which is kind of surprising. I think they're just – What did we say a couple of weeks ago? Is he on the back half of his career? I think he might be, man. I think they're just game planning for – because, like, you know, it's not pick your poison anymore with him and Tyree Kill. It's let's stop Travis Kelsey and we might be able to grind. What about even last year? You know, guys were making catches. Like – seriously making catches last year and they're not making any this year is and Kadarius, i'm not sure is Kadarius tony the worst starting wide receiver in the nfl oh man i don't know he's got to be close i don't know i mean with his drops he's well it's just a, he's just a the guy just does the great question things. though his football iq is very minimal it feels like he kind of reminds me of like i don't know those other players uh, they had one on florida state one on florida well we had percy harvin very explosive guys that just don't seem to have what it takes to be jerry rice or anquan bolden even or debo these guys there's something wrong their wires are not completely connected or something and they, they just have the skill they just don't upstairs it's not all yeah it's not connected upstairs. it's the upstairs it's the effort in some cases um i don't know it's right. he has the ability to your point to be better than he is just like you all right uh, all right new york giants at new orleans saints i felt like new orleans defense uh took the whole tommy devito thing 
personally. Uh, DeVito's out there doing interviews, making merchandise with the purse fingers, like that sweatshirt his dad was wearing. Uh, and New Orleans was trying to destroy it all in one game. Um, and believe it or not, Derek Carr decided to stop fighting with his linemen long enough to throw three touchdowns. So that's that's a good job there. Yeah, uh, I was really, yeah, my note was I, I was uh, hoping that for at least another week, the Tommy DeVito era would continue, but the Giants offense really came crashing back down to earth. Um, he did, he got hit. And- well, I think their, I think their, uh, their offensive linemen came crashing down to earth because Tommy true. had no time back there. Yeah, he got, he got hit and uh, just before halftime and uh they had to check him for a concussion. He was getting pretty angry. The slide where he gets he gets pinned to the ground. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and I, and I put, uh, apparently the New Orleans Saints players hate the New Orleans quarterback. <laughs> so there's that. Derek Carr throws just over 200 in the three touchdowns you men- mentioned. Um, this is a must-win game for those guys, um, just to, to try to keep pace somewhat with Tampa Bay. Uh Alvin Kamara leads New Orleans in rushing and receiving, uh, 66 and 44. He's uh, my spotlight. Yep. Yeah, not not uh, not great that the, the leading receiver on the, the Saints only had 44 receiving yards, but, you know, it is what it is. They got the W, and uh, yeah, man. Yeah, I gave my game ball to the – to two New Orleans tight ends, Jawan Johnson, Jimmy Graham. Not a lot of yards, but they got touchdowns in those games a piece. So yeah. they at least progressed that team forward to J- what looks Jimmy like a Graham, tie. Jimmy Graham's really getting in the end zone a lot this last like month or so. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that guy. Yeah. Kind of All a right. blah game anyway. All right, Atlanta at Carolina. Speaking of blah games, uh, Atlanta can't have nice things. That's what I've determined. Uh, seems like uh, just yesterday we were looking at the Atlanta Falcons. They were soaring above the clouds in the NFC North without a care in the world, really. Now they're probably a loss away from being eliminated from playoff contention. Um, they lost a game to the worst team in NFL by record without scoring a touchdown. Where, where that team won without scoring a touchdown. So, yeah, I, I just put another terrible game. Uh, it's Cordell Patterson catches a Desmond Reader touchdown pass in the second quarter. Then Carolina kicks three field goals. Game over. So I have a question to Cordell Patterson comment. If an alien landed like in your driveway and you had to explain this Atlanta Falcons team and you go, um, hey, yeah, Desmond Ritter makes more money. He's more valuable to the team because he's a quarterback. And then you go, well, Cordell Patterson, he, he punt return, kick return. He's a receiver. He's a running back. He's a Swiss Army. He does a whole bunch of stuff. And that alien would be like, what? That doesn't even make sense. Funny. Why, is Why wouldn't they pay the guy that can do everything <laughs> and get rid of the, the quarterback? I swear they could get Desmond Ritter off this team. They would be exactly the same as they are now. Um, I would even say slightly better with the backup. Arthur Smith has got to be gone. I mean, that guy cannot make a decision. I think sometimes these smart guys, they start to question themselves and they get antsy. I get antsy with when I'm trying to like something's happening. I want to, I want an answer now. Um, I'll do this. Like I'll just get a little jumpy and I'll just like, 
I don't know what to do with myself. And I think that's how Arthur Smith is right now. He's like, things aren't working. I don't know why. I'm going to make drastic changes. I'm going to be aloof. I'm going to like one week he's aloof. One week he's not. He's not coaching up the players. Bijan Robinson is not getting any better. Bro, Bijan Robinson, that's like, I guess that's my spotlight, Mike. Guy, they only run him seven times. He gets 11 yards and then they throw it to him. He only has one reception for three yards. Is this your best fucking player or not? Like, get the guy the ball. They were third in rushing efficiency last year, and they got better running backs on this team. Give him the ball. Now they're like, Like, what are you doing? Exactly. Well, apparently he's not there. He's not hitting the holes right. He's not running the right routes. To me, that's a coaching issue. Needs to be corrected. And I think it's not going to happen. Um, under Arthur Smith, unfortunately. Uh, my last note was uh, this was really not a great day for offensive football or football in general, for that matter. Yeah, so this game, they were charging, like, change to for tickets. You could like, get 44 yeah, cents you could with get the for 99 cents or something. In this game. Like, no one, no one was at the game. It was absolute downpour. Um, so, great job, David Pepper. Man, you're doing it again. I love it. I love what you're doing over there in Carolina. It's really paying off. Um, I did give my game ball to Eddie Pinheiro, three for three, nine points. How single-handedly, single-handedly beat the Falcons. You have given two game balls to freaking kickers, by <laughs> Jesus Christ, man! What are we doing? Was it this week or had one last? Did I give one this week? Yeah, you already gave one to the uh, Oh, Kymie Fairberry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. This is ridiculous. This is all ridiculous. All right. Washington at the Rams. I think this is the first uh, game that started in the uh, late window. Sam Howell um, and the uh, commanders go punt, turnover on downs, punt, punt, turnover on downs, punt, touchdown, punt, interception. Then he was benched. Sam Howell. Jacoby Brissett comes in in reserve. Goes eight for 10, 124 yards and two TDs. Uh, he made the game look a lot closer than it actually was. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he did. He he looked good, man. I always I always liked Jacoby Brissett. I don't know why. Like he he almost went to the University of Washington, but instead went to like three other schools in Florida over the course of his college career. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just don't know. I mean, this game line, it's like it's like Morse code for help me, punt, turnover, punt, punt, turnover, punt. <laughs> help me. Oh, man. Yeah, it, you know, it, it's just the Rams, yeah, they're up 20-0 before Washington even get, sniffs the, the end zone. Um, Ridiculous. Yeah, they're just I – like, I thought Sam – I was expecting more from Sam Howell. I thought he was an up-and-coming uh, – young guy and, and maybe he still can be I, I think that coaching staff in Washington is atrocious um I, I think that Ron Rivera is definitely gone come come Black Monday and yeah I mean you can't only complete 42 percent of your passes for 102 yards and an interception uh Sam Howe gets sacked he holds on to the ball he gets obliterated by defenses he sometimes makes good throws and sometimes has good drives, even more than sometimes. But you're not you're going to have to live with the other things that Sam Howell brings, the things that he will never change. 
And if you're a good enough team to overcome some of his mistakes, then you have a chance at being something. But I wouldn't have him. He's a stopgap to me. I, I didn't finish far enough down the list to get a really good quarterback. Let's roll Sam Howell out there and try to get better in other places. Then we'll build a team and we'll try to get a quarterback later or our scouting department needs to be better. And we need to get the third round quarterback somewhere. And we have to continue to just put people in there that can play this game around him. And in those scenarios, Maybe he doesn't have to do so much. Maybe he doesn't have to throw the ball as long. Maybe he has some or uh, hold the ball as much. And then he can start minimizing those things himself. But I think it's in his DNA. He runs around. He has a little panic in him, makes errant throws. Um, but he also does like three good throws in there. So live and die by him. I don't want that as a fan. Um, but, you know, he's fun to watch sometimes. Yeah, no, he's he, when he's on, he's on, man. He is fun to watch, but um, yeah, I was really impressed with the with with that Rams offense again. Matt Stafford, you insane. Matt Stafford goes for two fifty eight and two touchdowns, no turnovers. Kyron Williams, man, looks great running the ball. He did fumble twice, but had one hundred and fifty two yep. yards rushing and a touchdown. Um, so Kyron has my spotlight for the reasons that you mentioned. And then Stafford has got my game ball, sixty-seven or 76% on 33 attempts, the only thing you didn't mention. You know, he reminds me a lot like Dan Marino, the way that he throws the ball. Um, and I know that's a high bar. But I think Matt Stafford, from a talent standpoint, he's shown and demonstrated. He's, you know, top probably 10 in the league right now at his age. Um, when Dan threw the ball, it came out with such velocity, such a quick release. And I see that with Matt. Um, just another great day of throwing the football. It just pops off his hand. Yeah. Yeah, good for him, man. I, I'm, I'm happy for him. I mean, I – yeah, I, I, I don't mind – I used to hate the Rams. I'm quietly time. rooting for them to make the playoffs. Don't tell anybody. I'm not either. I, I'm not – yeah, no, I'm not mad at that. All right, San Francisco at Arizona. Uh, this just in, San Francisco is good. They're the first team to get to 11 wins. We could talk more about them in a minute. Looking at this Arizona roster, they have a pretty damn good offense. I think their third position right now, I think they are a Marvin Harrison Jr. and a talented running back away from being at the top of the league. Their defense needs help, though. If I were their GM, I take Marvin Harrison with that third overall pick. They have a 17th from Houston. Go grab a tough offensive lineman, edge rusher, cornerback, something to start shoring up that defense. And then I would draft defense all day. And if a run, like a nice little running back that fits your scheme comes in there, maybe a, somebody that's different than the power back that James Conner is, who I really like, uh, bring them in uh, in the second or third round. And just like defense the shit out of this stuff, man. Because that offense, when I was when I dug into, you know, their their roster, I'm like, man, that's a really good looking offense. Yeah, they're not bad. Um, not at all. And, and you know, I put my first note, uh, Arizona comes out of the gate and puts a touchdown up from James Conner, but the highlights end pretty quickly from there. Yeah. <laughs> it's just it's just San Francisco <laughs> all day, every day. You know, the usual suspects on the offense, just 
going crazy, man. Um, yeah, yeah, let's spotlight Brock Purdy. I think he's at the top of the MVP right now. Super efficient it. game. Four touchdowns, 242 yards on 16 completions. To me, that's insane. He had four touchdowns. A quarter of his passes, of his completions were touchdowns. Crazy. That's fucking impressive, yeah. Um, yeah, it looked like he got – he he uh, had to leave the game for a minute, too, to get evaluated for a concussion. He did catch a pretty big hit there. Um, and then Sam Darnold went two for three for 20 yards. Yeah, yeah. Uh, McCaffrey leads the team in rushing and receiving with 187 all-purpose yards and three touchdowns. Like, how do you stop these guys, man? And Debo – So he had- got my game ball. Okay. I'll, I'll let you, I'll, I'll finish this sentence and then you can go in on yeah. Debo uh, to your point. All of those stats, he is currently over 1200 yards rushing and 500 yards receiving and a total of 20 touchdowns this year total. All right. What's your, what's your shot I, on I Debo? I wouldn't be upset if they gave him the MVP this year. I mean, he, that, he's, he's probably the leading can, non quarterback candidate. I, again, let's oh, yeah, go to, then- go yeah, it's just I mean he's he's a monster out there, man. He's just un, and he's staying healthy this year because they they're so deep uh you know with with Debo can you know Debo being able to take do running plays. I think he's he's only missed one game or something. Versatile. Like Definitely versatile. Yeah. But Debo catches uh four balls for 48 yards and two touchdowns also. So it's just pick your poison, man. Yeah, so I had him as a like a little shot out. I thought uh Christian McCaffrey's game was better, but it's hard to not call out Debo. And he's again, one of those guys that have a gravitational pull Um, and it's hard for the defense to ignore him. So that leaves faith open all over the field for other people. Yeah. He's just electric with the ball in his hands. It's crazy. All right. So Brock Purdy's minus 200 and leading in the MVP votes. Dak fell to uh, fourth. And Christian McCaffrey at plus twelve hundred is the uh, fifth best odds. I saw somebody today on on Twitter. They always put up these future bet, um, you know, bets that people had made back at the beginning of the season. And it was, I think, um, who's the Browns, the, the Cleveland Browns uh, defensive end, Miles Garrett, Miles Garrett, def- yeah. defensive uh, player of the year. Uh, C.J. Stroud to win Offensive Rookie of the Year and Christian McCaffrey to win MVP. And, if like, his $5 bet's going to pay out, like, $30,000 or something crazy. Like he parlayed that. that shit? Parlayed it, yeah. Ooh. Did a $5 I, parlay. I, I, hope, I hope we – yeah, tell me more if you find it. You, I hope you flagged it or something, then we yeah. can tell. All right. So, um, yeah, that's it for that game. Did you have anything else? No, nope, that's all for me, too. All right, this is one of my fun, most fun results of the day. Dallas at Buffalo. So I get this sense that Buffalo is not scared to play anyone anywhere. Even though they've had a rough season, I never get the sense that they go into a stadium or have somebody come into their house and that they're shivering in their boots. You can tell sometimes when teams are a little overmatched. And they know they're overmatched. They come out cold. They come out tentative. They they try to, but they just game plan the shit out of this game. Um, they just said we're gonna we're gonna pound the rock, and that's it. And they pivoted 
you know, at halftime and just like, we're going to go right back to it. And they dominated this Dallas team. Yeah, it was it was a beat. I put there's not a sweeter sight in sports than watching a Dallas quarterback get hit. I honestly believe that. It's so much fun. <laughs> let's Dak, also let's Dak was under constant pressure. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about that pressure. Three sacks, seven quarterback hits. He had one turnover. Um, that Buffalo defense, they get my spotlight this week, held Dallas to under 200 yards. Um they didn't allow a, t- a touchdown until the final 15 play. That's a long drive, 80 yard drive, essentially garbage time. Um, I'll say Buffalo's offense. I'll throw them in here too. 28 first downs. Let that soak in for a moment. 351 total yards, a whopping 266 to 89 yards rushing differential. Uh, they dominated time of possession, 35 minutes to 25 minutes. Man, it was just all just an absolute dominant uh, game by Buffalo. Now, keep in mind, Buffalo as a team, in their six losses, the largest margin of victory in those six losses was six points. So regardless of how much they've had miscues or shoot themselves in the foot at times, they're almost never dominated in any game, and they're always right there to uh, pull it out. So... I, I, like the Rams, I'm actually pretty excited to see them get into the playoffs because I think they're the record-wise the worst team that could win a Super Bowl. Probably true. Um, you know, I think that they, yeah, I think they're really taking notes because everybody wrote them off earlier this season. They um, didn't write back. Yeah, they didn't write back. That's right. Uh, <laughs> so you know, and they're I I would argue, Mike, that they're playing their best football in the last couple of years for sure right now. Um, not they're not putting too much on Josh Allen's plate. They're not letting him go YOLO. Um, they're trying to run the ball and play defense. You know, Josh Allen only throws for ninety five yards and a touchdown this week. He does run for another twenty four and a score, but. You know, the story of this game, which I'm sure has your your game ball, is James Cook with 221 all-purpose yards and two touchdowns. Um, Just, he looked amazing. So there have been some changes this year, um, throughout the year, to um, offensive and defensive play calling for Buffalo. Sean McDermott, their head coach, is a defensive, uh, comes from a defensive coaching tree and has been taking over the defensive calling. They have they have lost their um, all-pro linebacker. Um, they have lost uh, their best cornerback. And th- since he's taken over play calling, has pulled this team together in a way that is really impressive. And then with their offensive coordinator, not, not panicking, not doing anything, like, hey, we're just going to do this because it's working and calling these plays and just keeping uh, Dallas on their heels. I, I, great game plan, great adjustments. Um, I'm, I'm excited to see what this team does. Yeah, me too. Me too. I think they could beat Baltimore. I think, yeah, I, I could think they could beat Kansas City too. Well, I think they, they have. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I think, I think San Francisco is about the only one where I go, ooh, it's just a point and a half. Yeah. Is this a tic-tac? Tic-tac zone game? All right. Speaking of Baltimore, um, they were at Jacksonville this week. 
Uh, this was the Sunday night game. Um, I think it's official. We can't take Jacksonville seriously. Uh, they have too many injuries at the wide receiver position, too many flaws on this team, too many mistakes. Trevor Lawrence has to do too much. Uh, Jacksonville offense had two turnovers. They were 0-3 in the red zone, only 16 first downs. They lost the time of possession battle by nine minutes, and they were 28% on third and fourth down conversions. They just were not able to move the ball efficiently in this game at all. No, and you know they're they're down what ten to nothing, and finally get in the end zone there in the third quarter. Um, but like it didn't feel like it was a one possession game at that point. You know, I mean, it just felt like Baltimore was dominating the game from kind of from start to finish. Uh, yeah, I got excited. Like it was before Baltimore started to pull away. There was a moment and it was the Jacksonville drive that they had an opportunity to get this thing squared away. And I don't mind a Baltimore win. I'm not anti Baltimore, but I was really rooting for Jacksonville in this, in this position, because that would be like my dark horse to go to the Super Bowl and win just to have just a crazy team that I kind of like in there. Um, And just fucking the idea of Doug Peterson having two Super Bowl rings on different teams is just mind blowing to me. So they're a fun team for me, but this game, they just, when they needed to drive down the field and score a touchdown, they just couldn't. Yeah, you know, um, the the one, my spotlight for this game, Mike, is Isaiah Likely. Um, this guy is like really, like, this was, as when Mark Andrews went down with, with possibly a season-ending injury, I guess we don't really know yet. Um, the ankle, for- he, yeah, they, they had him out for the season but ready, re- ready for playoffs. Okay. So he'll be back. But I, so I thought that was their biggest Achilles heel there uh, was losing, losing Mark Andrews. Cause that's their only kind of, I don't know, whatever you want to call like really a uh, receiver they can really depend on. Yeah. This, so, the tight ends in the running game are the engine for this offense outside yeah. of Lamar to your point. Right. Right. So like him stepping in, I mean, he, this week he caught five balls for 71 yards, but I mean, the, over the last few weeks, he's been lights out. And that, I think that's just invaluable for, for this, uh, for this Baltimore offense to have. He showed some flashes early on in his, his rookie season. We're like, wow, who is this guy? Him and uh, Lamar seem to have a lot of chemistry. And then he kind of fell off the planet a little bit. Yeah. Um, but he's back and hopefully they can run the 12, you know, they can have that 12 offense, him and Mark Andrews out there. Uh, they did have a decent running game as well. 157 all-purpose yards from their uh, Gus Edwards and Keaton Mitchell, uh, Keaton Mitchell combined. They had a TD, although they did lose uh, Keaton, Keaton Mitchell um, to a season-ending injury. I don't think he'll be back for the playoffs. So yet another disastrous injury to a Baltimore running back this year um i guess gus edwards is what we have i'm going to take a quick look at the baltimore ravens uh depth chart if you want to throw in any other additional comments here yeah i just i I was uh you know lamar jackson only goes for 171 in this game but he does throw for 90 or rush for 97 yep yards as well leading the team uh in both categories he did throw one interception and the touchdown um and then the other on the other side of the ball, man, uh, the fact that Trevor Lawrence led the led the Jaguars in rushing with 41 yards is is a little troubling, man. Tra- Travis Atn couldn't get anything going, ends up with 31 yards on the day. 
which is tough to uh, that's tough to overcome, man. Yeah, to your point, we mentioned that earlier. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, 41 rushing yards, ATN 31. Trevor has to do too much. They need better balance on this team. Uh, my game ball goes to Lamar. Um, I was unimpressed with the 171, but that 97 is glaring. He just was would drop back, and if there, nothing was there, I thought the um, the defense for Jacksonville, at least the secondary, was doing a really good job like preventing downfield plays. But, I mean, Lamar's Lamar. He just finds a way to get that first down and just move on to the next play and eventually matriculate them close enough to where it's like, all right, now we just hit you in the mouth and walk in. So I felt like he was playing with his food a little bit in this game, but who knows? Yeah. All right. The big game of the week for us as Seattle Seahawks fans. I also am a huge fan of Philly. So this was quite a matchup for me. Um, Kind of initially was like, wow, I don't know who to vote, root, root for root for here. I probably leaned Philly uh, in the beginning of this because they, I felt like they had a better chance to go to progress through the season. And I kind of got like Seahawks, let's just limp into, you know, the NFL draft with a six or seven uh, pick or something like that. But here we go. Seattle was at home this week, fighting through a four game losing streak. Hosting first Philadelphia. Time, first time in Pete Carroll's uh, coaching career that he's had a four-game losing streak. Okay. Philly, defending NFC champions. This was a pretty tight game. Not a lot of scoring, but it felt like a lot of action, which was there's some games that just it just it seemed like it's more action packed than it really is. It's like uh, I don't know, a mission impossible movie. Um the score was 10 to 3, Philly at halftime. Uh, Seattle was receiving the second half kickoff. Seattle scored a touchdown to tie the game. Philly's response, touchdown. Now we're sitting at 17-10, Philly. Seattle steals a possession with a great interception in the end zone. Just fantastic play. Uh, This was followed by an amazing throw and catch. Locked to Smith and and Jigba for the go-ahead touchdown. And then Julian Love with the second pick. Uh, of the evening steals the win uh, for the Seahawks. I don't normally give like these rundowns, but I think it's so important to talk about the sequence of events towards the end of this game as it relates to the season win. After that first interception though, we go down and we have the ball fourth and two. Yeah. Sorry. Third and two. And drew lock gets lit up by Jalen Carter Gets hit in the head. Probably should have been a 15-yard penalty for hitting him in the head. But goes down, throw, gets well, rid of the ball. Well, it's a big head. Gets, yeah, gets rid of the ball just barely in time. They call it an incomplete flat pass. We're up at the line on fourth and two, ready to snap the ball. Pete Carroll calls a timeout. Right. Then they look at the then they look at the uh at the footage. Uh Drew Locke's knee was down before he got rid of the ball. So then now it's fourth and nine. We have to kick the field goal to go. Now we're down 17-13. Then we get the ball back at our own eight-yard line and drive 92 yards on that that incredible pass and catch from from Drew Locke to uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba. It was no, that's that was a good a point and a good breakdown. That was a good yeah, point. right in the basket. Um, so let's just go right into it. My game balls uh, because we're talking about that play. Kenneth Walker 
112 all-purpose yards in a TD. Great. Obviously, Great. I mean, he watch. just he, he dominated the game. We talked about him. Now, I'm not calling him Barry Sanders, but he has, like, this ability to roll to his left, bounce off somebody, and then head all the way back. Um, he has this patience in the hole. We I watched one play where he's, like, gets in behind his, I don't know, guard or something like that, and he's dancing around, like, waiting for him to clear, and then just takes off. Um, those kind of plays are just so much fun to watch. I got uh, Julian Love, two huge interceptions at key moments in the game. And then, of course, Drew Locke, 67% on 33 attempts, 208 yards and a touchdown. I think the big thing for him was the go-ahead scoring drive. Seattle started on their own nine, that uh, uh, minute 52 left in the game. He goes five for 10 for 91 yards, no sacks. Uh, this kind of bailed out um, – Oh, he he's kind of bailed out by this amazing catch by DK Metcalf, like where he's lying on his back and then just kind of the ball slides and he just picks it off his chest or whatever, off his leg. Uh, DK comes back. He's done this a few times this week and, and I give him a lot of shit because he's his inconsistency. But one thing that he has been doing for us is big plays with the clock winding down 34 yard strike to him over the middle with 58 seconds left. And then finally, the huge 29-yard dime to Smith and Jigba in the in the end zone for the go-ahead score. Uh, it was a great throw. It was in the bucket. It was that corner route, dropped it in the only place that it could be caught by our team. And uh, I don't know, just one of those things where I don't know if you if you know anyone listening, if you ever play golf and you get that perfect swing and perfect content contact and you see that ball just perfectly arch and hit the green and that's just that feeling you get because it doesn't happen very often for me but but when you get it it's like the greatest thing in the world and that's what I felt about this this uh this throw and catch yeah no it was beautiful man um only thing I can add so it was weird going into this game um you weren't sure who either of the starting quarterbacks were going to be because Geno yeah. Smith had a setback, so he was out warming up, and and they were trying to decide if he was going to be active or inactive. They said he was active, but then Drew, then they're still like, we don't know if he's starting or not. It might be Drew Locke. He was still in his pads during yeah. the, when they kept flashing to the sidelines. Right, right, and then um, we knew that uh, that Jalen Hurts had flown out by himself to kind of quarantine himself from the rest of the team because he had he was dealing with some kind of illness. So we weren't sure if Mariota was going to start or if uh, Jalen Hurts was going to start. Um, well, I think they moved Mariota to third string. Oh, did they? I didn't know that. Okay. I yeah, go ahead though. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was, it was just kind of a crazy, like you just weren't sure what, what you were going to see going in, but it was exciting. And uh, yeah, I was, I was pleasantly surprised. I, you know, it, being a Seahawks fan, you never know. The games that you think you're just going to get your ass kicked, you end up winning. The games you think are like surefire wins, you end up blowing. So That is the summary is. of being a Seahawks fan. You've nailed it perfectly. Um, I wanted to spotlight just really quickly. I don't know if this Philly de defense is good enough to win a Super Bowl. Um, and that offense is no longer finding different ways to win games. I think this is a team – even at 10 and four, that's kind of on the decline. They're not progressing in the way that you want to see at this time of the year. And even if they do make it into the playoffs, even if they do end up being 
at the top of the um, NFC East because Dallas has a couple of tough games coming uh, coming up. Um, even if they make it there, I just don't have a lot of faith that they're going to figure out how to play defense with what they have on the field. Um, they got worse at cornerback this year than they were last year. They're worse in the middle of the field than they were last year. Um, their uh, front four isn't getting the same kind of pressure on the edges. They're getting some good push in the middle. Um, they've had to move some people around, get rid of a couple of guys. It's 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 really interesting. I, I mean, I give them credit for for trying. You know, bringing in Byard from Tennessee and Shaq Leonard from uh, the Colts. They're trying things, and I give Howie Roseman a lot of credit for that, but I just don't think they're good enough at the end of the day. I think you are right. All right. That's the last of the games this week, man. Let's uh, move on to looking forward, I suppose, right? What are you looking forward to next week, week 16? So there's two obvious ones, Ravens, 49ers, Cowboys, Dolphins, I think. Um, okay. Look great on paper. I think those those two should be pretty good. Um, really excited, you know. Want to see Dolphins going up against a good team. Um, you know they've had trouble, obviously, with that. I saw Mike Mike uh, McDaniel's had a funny comment today when when was that when he was asked about their how they do against uh, good teams and blah blah blah. It was pretty good. Uh, still my favorite coach. Just a quote machine. Uh, listening to Eminem at the beginning of the uh, of the yes, yeah, Hard episode. His angry music. His angry music, yeah. Uh, and then Ravens 49ers, I think it's yeah. That's it's. I feel like those are the two best, the best team in each conference, uh, respectively. So um, for sure, that should be good. And then there was one other one that um, I was thinking might be oh. Oh, I'm I'm looking forward to Bengals and Steelers just because I'm I'm on the Jake Browning hype train. So, um, doubt it'll be a great game, but I'm still gonna probably watch a bit of that. Plus, yeah, alone game. I I have I have them as I actually did my homework on this segment uh, this week. So, uh, Cincinnati at Pittsburgh is kind of the first game I wanted to take out. Two teams going in different directions. Can Jake Browning and Cincinnati make the playoffs? Can the Pittsburgh offense win anything? There's some questions up in the air about these these teams. They're definitely their arrows are pointing in the opposite direction, but I think it's going to be a defensive matchup. It's just a matter of can Cincinnati overcome what the Pittsburgh defense throws at them? We've seen Pittsburgh all over the place. Sometimes they play well. Sometimes they destroy a team that, like, like you were saying about uh, Seattle. Sometimes they destroy a team defensively, where you're like, how, where did this team show up? And then next week, you're like, I'm betting them to kill Tennessee, and then Tennessee just slaughters them. And I just don't understand that team. And I think that'll be a fun watch. I got Detroit at Minnesota. Um, this is the first of the two matchups of these teams in the last three games. If Minnesota can win out and Detroit loses out, Minnesota wins the NFC North. That's not something that I'm sitting here going, wow, that's never going to happen. So right. that'll be interesting. What happens this week, depending on where it goes, will decide, I think, who wins the NFC North ultimately. And, um, yeah, if, if Detroit can win this game, then they've locked the NFC North. It's just a matter of what position they're in. Are they what first, second, third in that division? 
Um, definitely South is going to be fourth. So I, I got Cleveland, Houston, I, I major playoff. Major playoff implications for both of these teams. I think it's a must win for Houston or they're likely out. So um, interested. And that's, you know, what we talked about with CJ Stroud not being there. That might be a problem. Um, again, to your point, Dallas at Miami, this Miami defense is coming on recently. Um, I think that, you know, Dallas is away. So they're seven and four away. So I think they can get got. Um, Dallas, can they get a win on the road versus a top team? And, and, a, and this is actually in some universes, a potential Super Bowl matchup. So that'd be interesting to kind of see some of these top top teams. And finally, speaking of Super Bowl matchups, the most probable in my mind, Baltimore at San Francisco, um, top two defenses, top running games meet head to head. We'll see how it goes. Absolutely. Strap them up, ladies. All right. So Jeremy's question time, of the week. Time for my question of the week, Mike. Let's do uh, it. So it's kind of a two-part question. Does deep so so we both grew up, I mean you're a few years older than me, but from the same era, and they all they always used to say defense wins championships. I heard that a million times growing up as a kid, as a fan of football. Uh so Mike, does defense still win championships and can you win a Super Bowl without a dynamic offense? Can yes. So yes, defense can win a championship. And yes, you can win a Super Bowl without a dyna- dynamic offense. I would say quarterbacks win championships now is if I'm stack ranking what wins a championship in, in the NFL. Um, having somebody like Mahomes that is like a mistake eraser in many cases. Last year, his defense came on late in the season, but they were more opportunistic and gave up big chunks of yards. Um, and let's not let's not miss the fact that he won, I think, three or four straight games by three points um, leading into the Super Bowl last year. So he was he was always in the tight games, um, and I think that's the most important thing. But Ironically, I think this year is a bit of an anomaly in the sense that we have some really good defenses out there and we are seeing like quarterback numbers kind of plummet and offenses not look as dynamic overall. Um, And I think there might be a year where you can get a top defense in there and not as a dynamic offense to to sneak in and, and win a championship. I think my two biggest ones are probably uh, Baltimore and San Francisco from we talk about be, uh, leading with their defense and then having a supplemental offense to go with that. Um, those are probably my two biggest um, choices. What, what's your take? Um, I think I think it's tough to win without a dynamic offense, but I think, yes, defense can still win a championship. So I look at somebody like Jacksonville who has one of those what we call opportunistic defenses, ones that are are good at times. They don't you it's hard to score against them, things like that, but that offense isn't dynamic enough um to really their defense isn't good enough 
to overcome the flaws that they have on offense. I think that's where you get into saying you have to have a defense that's good enough to overcome flaws and mistakes. Those defenses include Cleveland, um, Baltimore, maybe Cincinnati, um, San Francisco, Dallas. And I think if I'm being generous, I would even include Miami Dolphins in, in there the way that they're playing right now although they are, they have some significant injuries. But right now, these last couple of weeks, they've played pretty out of their mind from a defensive perspective. To me, that sounds that, that looks very encouraging for them. So those are the teams that I think have good enough defenses to overcome uh, flaws on the other side of the ball. Okay. All right, man. All right. I don't have any takes. I kind of like embedded them in my diversity section. So do you have any takes? Um, my only take was just I wanted to talk about the Rashad Mendenhall black versus white all-star game. Uh, Let's do it. How crazy that kind of seems, but also kind of how people are glomming onto it and, and making it kind of funny about. Hey, know, I, I get his point as two as two old white guys who can't play football talking about football. Like I can see his point. Like, why do I even have an opinion? I mean, we all have opinions, I suppose, but they don't really matter. I don't know if my opinion matters in the world, right. but I'll give it to you. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's been funny. I saw Will Compton do a breakdown of, of who the best, you know, black quarterbacks versus white quarterbacks are and, and uh, where he thinks that, that the white team could get an advantage over the black team or vice versa. And, I mean, uh, who gets Mahomes? That's what he said too, man. He's like, I don't know, you know. There's some, there's some uh, fine lines, like, and he's like, do we get Puka Nakua as wide receiver, or is he on the other team? Like, I don't know. He's like, we have to have some parameters here. So, uh, <laughs> it was, it was a pretty good. I mean, it was just, it was a funny, you know. I, I don't think Rashad Mendenhall was was using it to try to be uh, too negative about the situation. I think he was just trying to be funny more than anything. But it was kind of, kind of a. Uh, grew legs and started running quickly so just a funny uh yeah i thought that was a pretty funny little deal so yeah it was a good it was a funny little story today yeah all right or this week rather all right my diversity i'm gonna i kind of did a deep dive on hard knocks in season your suspicions were correct I wanted to call out to the audience. Hard Knocks will be following Miami throughout their run into the playoffs. I mean, I the, thought the, it, wait, wait, the, 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 the crowd, the, our audience might not know exactly what we're talking about here, Mike. Well, I was getting into it. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no. I just no. wanted to make sure you were going to, you were going to preface. You it. had asked the question a couple weeks ago. And I'm like, I think they just end at the regular season. I didn't think they carry this one in. And I mean, I wasn't sure. You you, but, seem, you seem pretty pretty sure in the moment. Well, that's that's <laughs> we what I do. Yeah, I I I am not sure, but I pretend to be sure. Just this is what they teach white men to do: is just <laughs> right. pretend that they know shit and project that, and it gets us in a lot of trouble. And here I got into trouble, so I'm here. I'm standing in front of you. I love it. Saying I was wrong, man. You were right. They follow them through the playoffs. There you go. That's my first point on hard knocks in season Miami Dolphins, right? Which which is a cool thing, man. It makes me so much more excited for the show. 
Yeah, but exactly. I thought they did because I was telling you I thought they were going to do that with Arizona last year, but they got eliminated. And so, yeah, I'm I'm glad that I, uh, that that was a correct assumption. So, yeah. Well, one of the things that I I've caught season to season is that Uncle Dan sneaks into every episode, and how awesome that really seems. Yeah. You know, like the players will come, Uncle Dan, and they'll just like right. hug him. Christian Wilkins, just ecstatic like just, in there. Yeah. yeah, he's sitting in the box, like watching the games. Get you know down in the. I mean, I don't know what his official title is with the team. I think it's just like, you know, QB God Emeritus or something like that. Just like you can come in. Here's the keys to the to the stadium. You come in anytime you want to. Free reign. Yeah. Got the key card. Um. Yeah, so that's pretty funny. Um, I was, I'm starting to figure out the formula for this, um, how they focus on players and stuff, mic up the family, et cetera. Obviously, episode one, Tyreek Hill, uh, his um, new wife and Nacho Gate. So it was like big focus on him early on. We had Nacho Gate. She was at the stadium. Jalen Phillips, no family, I don't think, like marriage perspective or whatever, but um, big chunk of that was his journey getting into the NFL uh episode three the Van Ginkle episode his they the cameras went to where his wife was at you know at a bar watching the game he had uh like a pick six um really like he he took over for Jalen Phillips after his injury and just was a superstar looks good out there a little too sprinkled into that episode I thought was fun um, that they got a win at Washington in that episode, episode four versus Tennessee, a loss, a little bit dire. As we watched that game, we had an injury to, to, to Tyree kill. This was the Raheem Mostert episode. Um, his family was in, in the, in the stands. They also announced Alec Ingold as the, uh, the Walter Payton man of the year recipient or, uh, it's not a recipient. It's, um, nominee for for the for the dolphins so that was cool mike mcdaniel is a family man they kind of inserted that in there that was pretty interesting and fun fact miami is the only professional team in the world that owns its own turf farm we found that out in this episode what, what's your what's your opinion on uh professional sports teams owning their own turf farm i mean i guess it's a cost cost effective move right probably Saves them. 18 it, it takes 18 or, or 30 18 wheelers to get the sod to the stadium and he was saying some crazy shit about like how they can grow like six turfs six fields worth worth of turf on their facility really interesting stuff a little bit too long into the these guys like like tua watching them put the the thing down and him not really caring, but asking questions like he cared. That was, that was an interesting little (laughs) thing there. Um, This last episode win um, with New York in town, it featured uh, Zach uh, Zyler. Is it Zyler? Siler? I think Siler or Zyler. I'm not sure. Yeah. His friendship with Christian Wilkins. Um, they they brought the cameras to Michigan where his uh, where his wife was with with his family. Um, that was fun little story. He, he would he he lived in a fifth wheel trailer 
for most of his NFL career because he never knew it. when he was getting cut. I that loved was so, when they showed him out in the woods. That was so cool. With all the lights. That, that was, was so really freaking funny. cool. <laughs> uh, Mike McDaniel's speech I was pretty impressed by. Um, this is like post-loss to Tennessee. He basically said, you know what? We all own this loss. I, I, I called in trash plays. Two is trying to cover for me, like all these different things. And I think he really owned it. I can't really tell whether he gets through to people, but he makes sense. I mean, these are adults. They go, oh, there's not like that, like that State Farm commercial where they go, hey, that's four words. And he's like, not if you bundle it. And then they're like going crazy and tearing their shirts off and like pouring buckets of water on their head and stuff. You don't see that from like normal human beings. Right. So it's hard to like gauge their level of excitement and their level of engagement. Um, one thing I will say is that Robbie Chosen <laughs> always looks so disinterested in any of the pop and circumstance, any of the speeches um, and any of his teammates for that matter. This is his second stint on a hard knock episode. Wasn't he with uh, the Cardinals last year when they were on in season? I think so. Yeah. This guy just does not give a shit. Um, and hey, let's do less Braxton Berrios and his partner. That dude and her are really irrelevant to this whole story. I don't want to ever see that again. Not unless like, he's making a fantastic head. I thought he was a coach at first, like when they because I I didn't see the little uh, sub headline or, or the title underneath him or whatever. I was like, I'm like, is this one of the receivers coaches when he was talking about Tyreek Hill being so good for the team or whatever and like yeah. Knowledge of, like they let one they let the wide receiver coach get some shine good good deal so i wanted to get everyone caught up on kind of my takes to hard knock um so they'll be less less involved moving forward i think i've adequately covered the first five episodes did you have any additional notes for this for this uh, season so you far know, i just i really enjoyed this last episode with the uh christian wilkins and whatever styler like i thought that was a, a cool storyline and fun so but yeah nothing nothing major all right right on so um i wanted to add to diversity uh the recent colorado supreme court ruling to remove donald trump from the state's official ballot finding evidence that he participated in an insurrection and violated section three of the 14th amendment of the United States constitution. This is a unprecedented move. I've never seen it. I don't know that it's ever happened to somebody challenging a, uh, a candidate in this way, pretty uh, important ruling. And it'll probably go to the, the Supreme court of the United States for the final say in this i'm interested to see how that pops out so um california's state's attorney general is already looking into the ruling and will likely follow suit so if we start seeing some of these uh, states <laughs> signing this and having rulings of this it could get ugly out there yeah yeah i i don't know man i think this is just asking for more problems than it's worth i'm not not definitely not a donald trump fan but uh I, 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 i'll I say this i i think it's the amount of problems that it's worth yeah i think that uh, this is just me 
that the prospect of having him back in office is far worse than dealing with whatever shitstorm that incurs uh, because of the ruling. And well, it won't really matter really until it goes to the Supreme Court, unfortunately. But there you go. Well, and the Supreme Court's loaded with them. Um, with uh, I mean, I guess they're just pro corporate judges, not necessarily pro Republican. They're yeah, they're Republican, pro pro money. Yeah, pro money. <laughs> Clearly, all right. Enough about these knuckleheads. All right, herding goats. No, no, my diversity section, bro. He's jumping over me right now. Oh, what do you got? I didn't. Uh, so I don't. I normally I went, don't listen to you. Yeah, I know. Uh, apparently, so I went to the UConn uh, versus Gonzaga basketball game. Um, oh, right, that's right. Climate that's Pledge right. Arena this last Friday. Uh, watched UConn just uh, dismantle Gonzaga, which was fun. Um, and the and <laughs> and the Washington Huskies beat Gonzaga for the first time in 18 years last week. So uh, they had a great trip to to Seattle to the big city. Uh, they just beat Seattle U the other day too, right? They're on a bit of a roll. Yeah, yeah, they are. Um, but they, uh, yeah, so we, we went to the game, got the friend of mine called me the Friday morning, asked if I wanted to go. I was like, heck yeah. Uh, able to get the tickets switched over with no problem, had great seats. Um, and we, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're up there and we're, you know, we're having a couple beers and we're talking about um, past games of, you know, UConn and the Washington Huskies have had some some thrilling games in, in sweet 16 matchups in the NCAA. Husky on Husky crime. Husky on Husky crime. Exactly. And uh, so half the guys I was, I was with, it was me and three other people. Two of them were rooting for UConn or me and another person were rooting for UConn. The other two guys were rooting for uh, Gonzaga. So um, they were like, well, how can you like Gonzaga or how, how can you root for UConn over Gonzaga you know UConn's beat the Huskies in these like massive like upsets and blah 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 I'm just like I don't care I we play Gonzaga more we've lost to Gonzaga more I hate Gonzaga anyway so we're talking about the 1998 uh NCAA Sweet 16 game between U UConn and University of Washington where Rip Hamilton hits a last second jump shot to beat us by one um and so we go, I, I go back and we couldn't remember there was there was a white like seven foot white guy on UConn that was like just unstoppable in that game I couldn't remember his name so I went and looked up the box score at halftime of this game we were at and his name was Jake Boskell Jake Boskell and he did really well Todd McCullough was on that team for Washington who was a, eventually a, a first round pick I believe by the 76ers um, and Donald Watts was on this team as well, who is, um, for anybody outside of Seattle, uh, it's Slick Watts, who is a Hall of Fame NBA player uh, who predominantly played. Brought us a championship in 79, 79. Yep. And uh, it's his son. And we're talking about and the, his his stat line for that game was phenomenal, too. And I'm just like, man, remember Donald Watts, blah, blah, blah. He's still and he's still a pretty integral piece of the the kind of Seattle basketball community, you know, up there. Cause it, it's that, that runs so deep, but uh, we're going back to the, we're heading back after the game to uh, the parking garage where, where the car was and we had to ride an elevator down. So you had to go kind of into this little corridor um, to catch the elevator. And uh, this, this super tall uh, black guy holds the door up before me. And I look up, I'm like, Donald Watts. 
what's going on, man? And I was like, we were just talking about you. He's just like, oh man, I hope it was good. I was hope you guys were saying good things. We're like, oh, we we're just talking about the the '98 uh, Sweet 16 game where you guys lost to UConn, man. And he's just like, oh, it was a tough one. And yeah, it's kind of BS. He rode the elevator down with us, and it was just uh, it was kind of a crazy uh, interaction after we just had been talking. Yeah, you know, I probably hadn't hadn't even thought about Donald Watts in a decade, and uh, run into him after just uh, looking up his stat line from that '98 game. So it was pretty funny. Yeah, the call out to Vasco, and he did you met like he's before his time. He was before yeah. his time. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, I was just was like, just... man. Oh yeah, that's what he said too. Because I was like, man, we. I was like, we couldn't remember who the big white boy for uh, for UConn was, and he was like, oh, Jake Vasco. And we're like, yeah, we just come up. He's like, man, that that dude was something else. So. Well, his career ended in 2011. I mean, that's like 12 years ago now. And yeah. man, just think about somebody with that skill set. Uh, in the NBA today. Interesting stuff, man. Well, fun. That sounds fun. Anything else in diversity? I don't want to step uh, on any more of the basketball stories. Yeah, the one other quick thing. I did watch the 30 for 30 this morning about the uh, 97 Heisman Trophy presentation or Heisman Trophy race between Ryan Leaf, Peyton Manning, Charles Woodson, and Randy Moss. Uh, Catch a beat running like Randy Mouse. It was it was great, man. They only use archival footage, so it's no new interviews, which I thought was pretty interesting. It's all just old stuff, like old game highlights, everything, um, interviews with the players. Um, arguably the best uh, group of, of Heisman Trophy finalists ever, uh, with three of them being first ballot Hall of Famers. They touch on, um, I didn't remember that Peyton Manning was uh, didn't come out until his senior year and everybody thought he was coming out as a junior. Uh, and Bill Parcells had just taken the Jets job thinking that they were going to get Peyton Manning. And then that did just think about, they kind of were like, well, you know, think about. They, they, were they ended up with Pe- uh, Pennington. Yeah, what might have what might have happened, you know? Um and yeah, they, they, it was, it was just, it was an interesting, it was an interesting look. And it's a short one. I think it's only 50 minutes long. So uh, it was a fun flashback to Randy Moss wearing those little weird Oakleys at the Heisman Trophy presentation. <laughs> I'm sure stuff. he regrets that, but now, yeah. I don't think he regrets much of anything, to be honest. Yeah, maybe not, but man, that's how I want, that's how, how I want to end up. They touch on him. You know, he lost a scholarship to Notre Dame for getting in a fight. In high school. Florida State. No, he lost a scholarship to Notre Dame for getting in a fight. Then Florida State offered him and he accepted that. Then he got caught for weed and arrested in, in West Virginia, like right after he graduated high school and lost his Florida State scholarship. And I think he had to do like a few months in jail. And then when he got out, he was able to go to, to Marshall, which was near his home in West Virginia. So now there's Terrible. a great 30, there's a great 30 for 30 about this called Rand U R A N D U like university, go check it out. If, I mean, if you're watching this 30 for 30, there's supplemental work that you can give you some background on some of these guys. So well, man, J- to get- like the Jason Wood, the fact that Randy Moss and Jason Williams were high school teammates on the basketball team is crazy. I mean, white the highlights are sick. White chocolate Jason Williams. I love it. The other what the other Jason Williams is a murderer, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Not not to be confused with the murderer. Right. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's herd goats. Her- let's herd goats. My good. Steph Curry versus Boston 
uh, went bonkers in the fourth quarter in overtime uh, yesterday, actually. The energy of this game was pretty reminiscent of that uh, February 27th, 2016 game versus Oklahoma, uh, Oklahoma City, the Thunder, uh, that where he hit this deep game-winning three-pointer, uh, one, 121 to uh, 118. Um, I actually watched that game. I was out on a ski trip. We had just gotten back. We were making dinner. And I'm like, I'm just going to watch some basketball. So I'm sitting in this Airbnb in like Pocatello, Idaho or some shit. And we're watching this game. And it's just starting. You can feel the tension building in this thing. Like um, Kevin, Kevin, um, geez, Slim Reaper. Uh, uh, Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant. Jeez. Went off. Um, you had um, Russell uh, Westbrook in there as well. Uh, Clay went off. And then just, I think it was 37 points or whatever from uh, uh, from Clay in that game. This game the other day had that same energy. Um, he was having a rough game until about the third quarter. Jalen Brown muscled him in the in the post and then hit him with the too small gesture. Uh, then he rattles off like 20 points. He has this brilliant pass to Wiggins where I believe he actually bent reality because I don't know how it it got there. Right? There's that movie where they the goal of the 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 assassins was to bend the bullet around a corner. I forget. It's just like a horrible Angelina Jolie movie, but. That's what I felt like he did. He went behind somebody's back, the ball like rotated and then kind of arced around the the leading defender into, I think it was Wiggins's hand layup. And then that game ceiling three pointer, um, the energy just with four. I mean, they went up four uh, with six seconds left after that hit. Um, he went in for a drive, kind of got um, spun around, missed the shot, rebound to, um, uh, CP3, who then found him kind of hanging out with his hands up in the on the sideline on the on the corner or whatever, and he just like with two dudes like rushing at him, just pops it in. Um, and it was a it was a great game. Nice, nice. Well, I did not uh, go that in depth, but uh, my good was also a basketball game and performance. It was John Morant coming back from his twenty five game suspension to score thirty four points six boards and eight assists and hits three go-ahead shots in the final minute and a half, uh, including the game winning basket uh, to put, to put uh, Memphis over the top. I can with this kid. Hey man, he's fun to watch. I don't care. And get your Maybe. shit together kid. But uh, yeah, he's, he's a hell of a hell of an athlete. All right. My bad chance. Comanche Comanche. You heard this story. Yeah. Form, formerly of the Stockton Kings uh, of the G League, was arrested like, this week. I feel like I've heard of that. I knew this guy in college or something. Like I don't know where he went. No, I don't. I don't. I, yeah, I don't. Re I didn't remember him. Um, he, his numbers look pretty good, actually. Uh, he was arrested this week in connection with the kidnapping and murder of a woman whose remains were found in the Nevada desert. Uh, Comanche was in Henderson, Nevada, playing the G League Ignite the night that uh, Myrna Rogers went missing. So he was in town. Uh, it was him and uh, his quote unquote girlfriend that met up with Myrna when she disappeared. And very weird story. 
Yeah, and um, Mirna's from Seattle. I don't know. Heard, I, yeah, I just heard about it on the news. I mean, I heard like seeing some headlines. Feels weird to deep dive into the victim's past if I'm not an actual reporter. Yeah, well, I saw I saw something on uh, on the news, local news this morning saying that. So yeah, crazy crazy story, man. That's rest in peace to to that young lady. Um. So my bad was Jamal Adams uh, staying home because he wasn't going to play or he was hurt or he was a healthy scratch. I don't know. And then that's not even the worst part of it, right? Like he doesn't come to the games. He's not going to play. Pete Carroll says, I don't know where he is. I think he was home on the couch, which is a weird thing to say. Uh, but then Pete Carroll says the Seahawks really missed him in this game. And like, is this guy not the – arguably the worst safety in football. So I have Jamal Adams as my ugly for this week for the, for the reasons that you specified. So the Jamal Adams experience has been weird. I think the first season that we got him over here, he was at one point, I think leading the leading league in sacks and was a terrorizing running backs um, as kind of what we would call a box safety ones that like to come up and, you know, hit and tackle and things like that. Not really good in, um, in coverage, if you will. Uh, so that's how it all starts. Right. And then he gets injured and then injured again. And he finally, I think he comes back ultimately this year and then pushes somebody on the sideline and gets fined for it, then gets injured again and then comes out and just gets obliterated by Debo uh, Samuel um, for a deep touchdown uh, two games ago. And this week, the response, like there was a reporter who had said something about him getting beat. And then Jamal Adams attacked that reporter's wife. And that got looked at as something that they shouldn't do. My, my initial thing was that was too much to have him out there talking about it on the game so you go wait he's not really offering us enough to to have to deal with this right now so we're going to call him a a healthy scratch and then that pisses somebody like Jamal Adams off I think and then he just like pouts and stays home and it becomes a bigger thing but me and my brother were talking about this with if, if Julian um, love can keep up what he did yesterday or has the talent to be that what a better safety combination with Diggs and him back there. Um, and just like, all right, Jamal, we have a 17 or $17 million cap hit. If we cut him after June 1st, I think at the beginning of the NFL season for 2024, and we can clear that, just eat the $16 million, cut him, and just move on. Same if you trade him. You still have a $17 million cap hit or whatever, but I think he's gone. He's got to be gone. Not good. He's not for this NFL. He needed to play back in, like, 93. Yep, I agree, man. Um, not good, not good. 
Well, um, my ugly, um, I don't even know if it's ugly, but Sha- Shaquille O'Neal, after the game that you just talked about with uh, Steph Curry last night, said that he belongs in the GOAT conversation. And I just think that's crazy. I think a lot of athletes at that level um, have a feel like they can say just about anything and have it be okay and accept it. And I get it. Shaquille O'Neal is probably the best center in the history of, of basketball, of the NBA, certainly. Um, I get it. I think it's a bridge too far for me, though. But is it outrageous? I don't think the defense is there for staff, but I mean, he's definitely the best shooter I've ever seen. No, he's definitely the best shooter of all time, but I just don't know about, yeah. I don't know about, you can't call him a goat. Anyway, I think there's only two people, or maybe three in the the conversations. Who's your three? Jordan, LeBron. What, Kareem? Bill Russell or Kareem, I guess. Maybe Will. Those got to be the three. Those are the other three. I put Kareem over Will. Will Will was crazy from the video I've seen, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he just was playing against a different style of player, different type of player. Same with um, Bill Russell, frankly. I think you start getting them like what we would call modern NBA in the seventies um, and into the eighties. Kareem kind of carried the carried us over that that threshold there. Yeah, but it's yeah. probably LeBron or Jordan at the end of the day. Yeah, depending on how old you are. True. All right, man. Anything else? Let's wrap this stuff up. I think I'm good, man. I think I'm good. All, All right. right, Jeremy. Yep. Can I can I can I speak now? <laughs> Please listen. Jeremy. Please listen, like, rate, review, share the podcast. Thank you. Go ahead, Mike. <laughs> Jeremy, I'm sick of these average white guys commenting on podcasting. You're not even good at podcasting. 